Today's topic uh, might be appropriate depending on the dynamic uh, in your house or your extended family this week, because today we're going to talk about forgiveness. Uh, We've talked about the holiness of God and how he is completely different than us, how he's altogether different, hallowed be your name. Uh, We've talked about the kingdom of God that exists now and will exist in the future uh, and how we want uh, the peace and the purity of heaven uh, to be modeled here on earth as part of who we are as followers of Christ, that we're those ambassadors, uh, we're ambassadors for the kingdom, that we would bring peace and purity here on, on our earth, that his kingdom would come, and that we would daily thank him for the provision uh, that he provides, that, that something so basic as, as bread uh, that, that we take for granted often in our culture that we would thank him for the, the blessing and we would thank him this week that we get to have turkey and ham and green beans and all that good stuff and pumpkin pie mostly uh, for me. But, uh, but we're, we thank him for his provision. And then as we look today, if you got your Bible, Luke chapter 11 is where we're going to be. I invite you to turn there. We're going to look today uh, about this idea of forgiveness And it's actually the longest section of the prayer in Luke's prayer. It's the longest dialogue about how Jesus models this prayer. And those of you that know the Lord's Prayer, we probably know the Matthew version better. It's the longer, more eloquent version. This is the simple, straightforward, kind of to the point version of it. But we, we recognize uh, the holy nature of God. We recognize the kingdom of God. We recognize that he provides all that we need. And then we get to this place about how now there's a responsibility on our part. There's a sense in which it's no longer we're talking about God and only his activity and only his character and only his movement in, in our life now Jesus, as he models this prayer for his disciples, those are the people who pray this prayer, people who follow after Jesus, people who claim the name of Jesus. This isn't just a prayer for anybody. This is a prayer for someone who's surrendered their life to Jesus, who's placed their faith in Jesus Christ. It's a disciple's prayer. Now, Jesus, as he declares, as he models this prayer for us, now gives us an opportunity to act. The first part of the prayer is really about God and his character and activity, and now it focuses the attention not just on God, but also on us. And so if you've got your Bible open, we're going to be at Luke 11, uh, verse 2, and we're going to read 2, 3, and 4 as we've done the last few weeks. Read the prayer as Luke recites it. And he said to them, this is Jesus saying, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. Forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. What a a strong and bold statement. And today, I wonder as we think about how 
our relationship with our Heavenly Father is, and if that relationship is a healthy, strong one where there is no fracturing, is the same true in our relationships with one another and those that we come in contact with. Because in this prayer, Jesus, in the Luke version, Jesus is saying, Lord, forgive me because I'm already forgiving those who are indebted to me. It's already happening. And so I want us to dive into that today as we think about our prayer life, uh, as we think about our everyday life. Because I think sometimes we take forgiveness for granted. Uh, we, we have a tendency to bring the holiness of God down. I think, oh, well, you know, God will be okay with, and we fill in the blank with whatever thing we want to do or say or how we want to act. And so we, we sort of minimize the holiness and the majesty of God when it comes to these areas of, of sin and disobedience. When it comes to wrongdoing, we, we minimize the holiness of God and just sort of expect God to forgive us because, oh, that's the business he's in. He's in the business of forgiveness. That's why we have Jesus. And so God, just, you know, do what you always do. Make it happen. Forgive me. And we have a tendency to forget that forgiveness is not a right. It's a benefit of God's grace. Forgiveness is not a right for us. It's a benefit of the everlasting, eternal grace of God. And so do we seek forgiveness? Do we ask for forgiveness? Do we go to God when we know that we, he, we've broken his heart? Do we pay attention to our life enough to even know when we do things wrong, whether it's towards him or towards someone else? Because the, the people of the ancient world, they understood sin. They understood wrongdoing. And, and for the Jews of the time, they understood the idea of indebtedness, uh, we sang about it in, in several songs this morning, indebtedness. They understood that, that metaphor of, of being in debt to someone. And so in Matthew's version, he says, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. So Jews would have understand that metaphor of debt and indebtedness. But Luke is writing to a Gentile audience, non-Jewish people. And so he uses the straightforward word sin. Any activity against the holiness of God is, is a sin. And so he kind of shoots straight with, with these readers, with those that are, that are listening, and forgive us our sin. When we've fallen short, it's, he's taking our sin seriously and asking God to forgive it. To go to him in those moments where we know we've fallen short. And later on in the New Testament, 1 John, it, it, it says there are even those things that we don't even remember. But God is faithful and just and that's what we're resting on. Because if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Not just the things that you can remember or the things that you want to remember or maybe the things you don't want to remember, but you do. No, he, he's faithful and just. And, and so that tendency for us to look at that verse is to say, oh, well, God's just going to naturally forgive me because that's what he does. And so our inclination is to 
take our sin less seriously. Now, we don't take others' sin less seriously. We just take our own sin less seriously. Because we sure do like to point the finger, whether that's on social media or behind your, someone's back and, or at the dinner table on Thanksgiving. You'll be happy to point out someone else's sin because those green beans weren't exactly perfect. But because this is the issue, sin is the issue of the Scripture. Because it's, it's what brought Jesus. It's the thing, the offense to God that brought Christ to this earth to pay the penalty, to pay the debt you and I couldn't pay. And so let's be reminded this morning that forgiveness isn't a right. It's a benefit of God's grace. And, and God is, is not, in this moment as we think about this, forgive our sins. This is not a courtroom of judgment here. Remember, this prayer is a model prayer for all those who already have a relationship with Jesus. So it's not about going to a courtroom and having the judge smack the gavel and say guilty. No, it's like a family gathering. And you might have had those when you offended or you wronged or you and your brother or sister got in a fight or, or maybe mom and dad or cousins were over and we had a big, you know, brawl and everybody had to come sit down and work it out. Because a family. God is built on relationship not on transaction. And so as we think about this concept of forgiveness, as we think about our prayer life and how we pray regarding our sin and the sins that others have committed against us and that we've committed against them, we have to remember that God is about a relationship with us. And he wants to restore us constantly. He wants us to be in perfect harmony with him, in fellowship with him, have a right relationship with him. And that only happens if, if we confess, if we share with him, if we agree with him, Lord, I know this is where I've fallen short. These are the ways in which, which I know I, I've struggled. I know. And so I've come to you. It's the same reason we go to one another. Whenever we have issues and struggles. We, we go to the family of faith because that's what we are. We all recognize that forgiveness is a great benefit of being in God's kingdom. And so I'm going to go to you and you can come to me and we can experience that as a family together. But the first thing we must do is recognize our need for forgiveness because all of us are imperfect. We have to recognize our need for forgiveness because we're imperfect. Jesus is helping his disciples become aware that where they live is imperfect. They live in a fallen world, and guess what? They and we contribute to the fallenness of our world. We contribute to it. We contribute to our fallen world because we're sinners. It's in our nature we were born sinners. We're born to pro prone to wander. That's how we're born. We're, we're born prone to wander. 
away from the things of God. And all of us in this world are victims, and all of us in this world are offenders. All of us. All of you have been a victim of sin, that that someone has wronged you or hurt you or done something to belittle or destroy you emotionally or physically, and all of you have done the same to someone else and to our Heavenly Father. All of us. And so Jesus, as he prays and models this prayer for us, we have to remember that our world is full of people who are victims and offenders, and we're part of that group. And that our sin is in opposition to God. It's an affront. It's a snub our nose at the holiness of God. And we think, oh, well, you know, I'm not so bad because, you know, look at all those people. Yes, all those people are victims and offenders too. Welcome to the club. It's great. Because I think about my the ways in which we sin that sometimes we think, oh, this is no big deal. When we cast judgment on somebody as we're scrolling through Instagram or TikTok or Facebook or, well, why would they ever post that? Can you believe they said? Judgment. That's a sin. Gossip. And we talk bad about each other behind their backs, behind people's backs. When we neglect one another, when we get angry, when we lie, when we lust, participate in sexual sin, when we're drunk, when we give half effort. That's my favorite because we're all guilty of it. Because we say it's good enough for government work. It means we're satisfied with mediocrity. And yet God tells us over and over and over again that we should give all of who we are to things. Not because I want to impress you people and you don't want to impress me. No, it's because I work unto the Lord and so I'm going to give full effort. 100% effort. I'm going to give all of what I have. Not because I'm trying to impress a teacher or a boss or a family member. No, because I want to honor the Lord. And when I give half effort or third effort, or no effort. I'm doing none of those things. And so it's easy for us to hide our sin sometimes. And we like to point out those that have sins that are very public. And yet Jesus, as he prays, Lord, forgive us our sins But I want to take my sin of half effort seriously. I'm going to take my sin of driving 28 miles an hour over the speed limit instead of 5 miles an hour over the speed limit seriously. Because that's how some of you operate, like me. I'm only doing 5 or 8 miles an hour over. I say it all the time. But sometimes I'm doing 28 miles an hour over the speed limit on the hardy toll road because everybody is because everybody sins and so why don't I exactly and so we don't take that seriously because we assume the grace of God now I know I'm stepping on toes because now I'm at the drive right for at least a week Uh, (laughs) 
When we get angry or we belittle somebody or we tell somebody how they should do something because we're smarter than they are. We're we're always, it's always easier for us to point out everyone else's imperfections. And yet in this moment, Jesus is calling us in our prayer life, in our daily life, to look at our own imperfections. And we shouldn't ask God to do something we're not willing to do. God, I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin, to, to cleanse me of all unrighteousness because I've already forgiven those that have wounded me and injured me. Because as I pray that prayer, I know that forgiveness starts with God. It doesn't start with me. Forgiveness starts with God, but it should continue with me. He he is the initiator of forgiveness. He is the one who sent his one and only son to live a perfect life. And then to die on a cross to shed his blood to make payment, to pay. He paid his life so that you and I wouldn't have to. He is the one who initiated forgiveness. And so I want to be the one to continue forgiveness. And I don't want to do anything that would separate me from God. And I want to model for others what God has done for me. God forgave me of great sin. God forgives you of great sin, and so I want to model that. And so when you and I fail to forgive others, why should we expect God to forgive us? He does, and that's the beauty of God's grace. But you and I don't live like a disciple when you and I hold forgiveness at bay, when we refuse to exercise forgiveness. And the struggle that we have, and I've shared this before, is that we're a people who often say, people will tell us, forgive and forget. Well, we're we're horrible at that. I I don't forget. I forget the things I shouldn't forget, but I don't forget those things. When I've been wrong or injured or hurt, I don't forget that. But that's not what forgiveness is about. Forgiveness is not about forgetting. Forgiveness is about treating the person as if it didn't exist. So when, when I say, when I choose to forgive you, when you choose to forgive a classmate or a coworker or a family member, when, when you choose to forgive a stranger, you're not forgetting what happened to you. No, you're choosing to treat them as if it never happened. Because that's what Jesus does for us. That's what God does for us. When, when, when you and I sin against God, what did he do? He sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross to shed his blood, and that blood covers our sin. So that when God sees us, he doesn't see you and me, sinner. He sees Jesus. And he treats us as if we weren't a sinner. That's how he treats us. Because when he looks at us, he sees Jesus. 
And so you need to praise God and be excited about that, that God doesn't see us for who we are as rebels, enemies against him. No, he sees us as his children adopted into his kingdom, sons and daughters of the king. When he sees us, he sees Jesus. And so when someone sins against me, I want to have that same kind of viewpoint that when I I see them, I know that I've been forgiven and so I can forgive them. I can treat them as if that event never happened. I can treat them if those, as the, if those statements were never uttered out of their lips. I can treat them as a friend. And it's easy to stand up here and say that today. It's easy to say that until you've been wounded deeply. It's easy to say that until you've been harmed. It's easy to say that uh, until someone has repeatedly belittled and degraded you. It's easy to say that. And it would be impossible if it was only in your own strength and power that you tried to do that. That if you just willed yourself enough to sort of treat them as if it never happened. You could do it for a while, but it wouldn't last That's why this prayer is so important. Because my focus is not on them. No, my focus is on the power of Jesus. My my focus is on the forgiveness that I've been offered. My focus is on the strength that I have through and in the name of Jesus, not in the name of David or fill in the blank with your name. No, I call on the name of Jesus because he is the one who forgives me and so he is the one who will give me the strength to forgive others. And so my prayer as I pray, forgive me my sin as I forgive everyone who is indebted to me. My prayer is that my focus is on godliness, not worldliness. Not, not how the world would operate, but no, how would God operate? There's a great illustration by a pastor who was a missionary overseas for a while. He was in Southeast Asia, and he was having a conversation with a, a person from a different faith background. And, and the, the, the person was struggling with this whole idea of, of forgiveness and debt and payment, and why wouldn't you just forgive somebody? Why wouldn't you just forgive them with, with no cost, no retribution, nothing? Just forgive them. How, do, how, how does that, why can't we just do that? And so the man said it this way because he had real questions about why Jesus needed to die. He said, if you sinned against me and I wanted to forgive you, I wouldn't make you kill your dog before I forgave you. Why would God require some kind of sacrifice to forgive? It's a great question. If you harmed me, I wouldn't make you kill your dog. Or if you're a cat lover, probably I would. But, um, okay, see, now you can forgive me. You can exercise the passage here. But why would God need that kind of sacrifice? 
And so here's how the, the now pastor answered. Choosing to forgive somebody means that you're agreeing to absorb the cost of the injustice. Imagine you stole my expensive sports car, which you didn't own. Remember, he's a missionary. Um, imagine you stole my expensive sports car and wrecked it, and you don't have insurance or the money to pay for it. What are my choices? I could make you pay for it. I could haul you before a judge and request a court-mandated payment plan. And if you were foolish enough to steal my expensive sports car, which you could never pay for, you would always be in my debt. Always. Because you can never pay it off. But I have another choice. I could forgive you. And so what am I choosing to do if I say I forgive you? I'm choosing to absorb the cost of your wrong. I'll have to pay the price of having the car fixed. You have no debt to pay. Not because there is nothing to pay, but because I paid it all. Not only that, I'm choosing to absorb the pain of your treatment of me. I'm choosing to give you friendship and acceptance even though you deserve the opposite. This is always how forgiveness works. It comes at a cost. But if you forgive someone, you bear the cost rather than insisting that the wrongdoer does. And that is what Jesus, the mighty God, was doing when he came to earth and lived as a man and died a criminal's death on a wooden cross. He bore a debt that we could never bear. We could never bear that debt. We could never repay it. And so as you and I think about our own prayer life, as we think about our relationships with one another, are you willing to bear the cost of forgiveness? Are you willing to treat those who've wronged you with friendship and acceptance rather than retribution and passive-aggressive comments, because that's usually how we do it. Because God desires us to live like Him. And forgiveness is probably the mark of a disciple that we understand the power of forgiveness because we've been forgiven greatly. And so now we want to pass that forgiveness on to those who wrong us. And I want to do everything I can to not harm or injure anyone else. I want to live a life of holiness that I previously just prayed Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. I want that to exist right here and right now, and I want to be a beacon of light for those things, for holiness and kingdom kind of activity. And so I want to do everything I can to live like my heavenly Father, and that means I live in holiness, but I also live with forgiveness. And so in a moment when the band comes and leads us in our response song, I want to invite you to pray, because 
that, that's what this passage is about, is about prayer. And just about every week, I invite you to come and pray or respond in some way. But this week, uh, I'm going to double down my effort. Because I'm confident that every person in this room and those watching online, that there's probably something that you need to confess before your Heavenly Father. That you need to seek the, the forgiveness of God because you've fallen short. And I'm confident that there are those in this room and those online that you've been wounded and injured this week. Maybe for weeks and weeks and weeks you've been wounded and injured. And you've held on to that. And you've harbored bitterness and anger and frustration. You've avoided people. And you've refused to forgive. And God's calling you this morning to come to him to exercise forgiveness.